There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And it, it's good to be back. It's basically been, I think, just over a month now since we've done a podcast. I'm trying to think the last one would have been um, when Seb was uh, discussing uh, Yuri Tillemans with Rob Tanner, the athletics correspondent uh, for Leicester City back around the middle of last month. So it's been a little while. We've taken a little bit of a break, meant to do a few podcasts in between. But you know what? Just like all the Villa players, we decided to take it a little easy, recover, and um, just uh, rest up for uh, potential European success this season. But aside from me, probably just jinxing having a good season now, let's go over to the guys now. We do have Mr. Simon O'Regan first. So, Simon, how you been? Uh, not too bad, thank you. As uh, we were discussing before we started recording, of sort of being on a, a little musical tour over over the country the last, last few weeks, been to see... Cortinas, Pulp, Muse, Royal Bloods, Blur. So yeah, I've I've had a I've had a good little summer break so far. A nice musical adventure. You said them so fast together. It sounds like you were just having a little bit of a conniption, but I, I understood it. So <laughs> it, it is all good. But uh, yes, we do have a groupie on this podcast, and unfortunately, he's not a groupie for this podcast. He's just a contributor. But of course, we do have a special guest as well. It's Mr. Neil Dunworth. So Neil, how's it going for you? Hello there, guys. Going really, really well. Really exciting time at Aston Villa at the moment. Um, everybody seems to be back in the building. Well, the majority of people seem to be back in the building, and I'm loving seeing the uh, the training videos that are being released and the training uh, footage or whatever that's being released. So, um, good to see Manchi and uh, Anuna Emery there standing beside Pau Torres as well. So, no rest for the recruitment department either today, based on the news. Um, so it's full steam ahead for the coming season and for, I suppose, Walsall at the weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely thrilled and, and excited and, and really looking forward to this new season. Absolutely. There's been, it feels like so much has happened since we've last done a podcast, but at the same time, it feels like there hasn't been a crazy amount. It, it's been a, a, a weird start to the summer in some ways, a little bit more relaxing than I thought it'd be. But just like Villa, I'm sure it will become even crazier the closer that the Premier League season comes ticking around. But regardless of that, this episode, we're just going to make it a bit of a kind of a catch-up one, or I, I guess in a sense, a kind of a guide to Villa's preseason. I'm not sure how I'm going to title this one, but we're just going to kind of quickly run over the preseason, talk about the likes of Potoros uh, signing this week, of course. You heard this Brighton early on the Friday, so of course Villa play um, on the Saturday at the Bescott for their first preseason game. We'll go over all that. We'll maybe look at a few transfer rumors that have come out in the last couple days, and yeah, just have a general chat. So let's kick off with the preseason schedule, shall we? So I'm just going to read it out quickly. I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. It's been out for quite a while, but if for some reason you've decided to take the whole summer off of watching, listening, anything football, consuming football content, 
at all, then of course this will be the place for you to catch up on that. Or Neil's podcast, of course, cheeky plug for Neil. Um, of course, <laughs> Villa play at the best call on July 15th, this coming Friday. Tomorrow, of course, when you're hearing this on the Friday against Walsall, they'll then do an EPL summer series tour in the States, which I love Villa being a part of that. They'll head to Philadelphia on July 23rd to face Newcastle United. On the 26th, they head to Orlando to play Fulham. And then, of course, they wrap that up in Washington, D.C. against Brentford. Following that, of course, on August 3rd, they then play Lazio at the Bescott still, I think that's scheduled for. And then they travel to Spain to play Valencia on August 5th. Um, that's the schedule I'm seeing here. If there's been any more, then I'm sure the guys will let me know and correct me. But uh, regardless of that, that's the list that I've been finding with consistency. So we're sticking to it. But Simon, I'll come to you first. I know you're going to the best cut on Saturday. So I, I do have to ask, how excited are you, are you to be back? If that made any sense of English, you can tell I haven't done a podcast in a month. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, in sort of previous seasons gone by, I was... I, I, I tended to be delighted when the season ended, to be honest. Like normally I'd had enough and I was looking forward to the break. You know, you know this, this time around, or the, you know, back in the last season, it was the first time for ages that I, I sort of wanted the season to carry on. And it's probably the, the most excited I think I can remember being as a Villa fan going into a new season. Um, so yeah, just just like it's, it's always good when the football comes back, and I think you know Villa, we always play friendly at Walsall. This is I think, this will be the third season in a row that I'll have gone to that game. Um, so it kind of it's it's sort of getting into my mind now that that going to the best cut for the, that preseason game in July signals you know the, the start of football returning, and yeah, it'll be just be interesting to see um, you know sort of what 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 players get. Uh, get game time on the weekend. I mean, for the majority of pre-season, really, it, it is about building up fitness. Obviously, you want to play nice football and score lots of goals, but that that isn't really the main issue. But be um be I don't know if if, if Torres it will will play or not. I mean, I, I know the was, I think with the announcements it say it still say something about subject to like international clearance or visas. I don't know if that affects. He'd been able to play in pre-season or not, so obviously there'll be a bit of excitement about that. But um, yeah, just 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 really looking forward to to sort of getting back to to watching the Villa and seeing what um, what sort of tactical little tweaks maybe you know every will be going with because obviously you know we're going into the start of the season with Moreno and Jacob Ramsey injured, so that'll be yeah just be be interesting to see just how we line up and and if there's anything that you can read into that first uh, game you know what different systems you might want to try out because obviously you know we've now got four very very good center backs who will all feel that they should be playing in the first team so be intriguing not not just on Saturday but over the course of pre-season to see what tactical tweaks, if any, are made to try and accommodate more than just two of those four players into that starting lineup? 100%. I, I love the fact that we're playing at the best cut again, but part of me, I know it's not Villa Park, but I would just love if they brought Torres at halftime with the scarf, just had him wave around, even though it's not our stadium. How, how <laughs> uh, amazing would that be? Amp up the, amp up the uh, atmosphere a little bit as well. But Neil, I'll, I'll come to you. I mean, of course, most people um, outside 
of England will be probably watching this via stream or, of course, listening on the radio or whatever way they can consume the game, of course. So from your perspective, I mean, what are you expecting from preseason when you look at the schedule, of course? Some games in the UK, of course, some games in the States, going to Spain. What do you kind of make of it all and where do you sit with it? Um, I look. I think the mix the mix of games that they have here is fantastic for the for the the, the postseason or for the preseason. Sh- sorry, should I say? Um, I've never gone. Well, that's actually a lie. I have Aston Villa. I've been to Ireland a couple of times. So I've gone to preseason games there, and they played Bohemians. They played St Patrick's Athletic. They played. Um, they played a tournament in 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 Dalymo Park here in, in Ireland. Um, and I saw Peter Whittingham score. An absolute banger of a goal, a volley with his left foot. Um, so somebody was taken from us too young. Um, but I think they've got the mix of games completely right this season. I think the American tour is really good. Um, I would love to be going, and there was a time, a time uh, not so long ago when I thought I would be going, but I'm not. No, I'm no longer going to Philadelphia uh, for four days, and I'm not one bit resentful over it, not at all. Um, but I would have loved to have gone out there for it. Um, and I think, look, it's, it's great. We're on the cusp of a wave here at the moment. Um, going to the United States, having European football behind us, having a strong Spanish contingent, obviously going towards, going down to, um, to Orlando, um, as well, where there is a strong Spanish speaking contingent in, in, in Florida as, as a whole. I think would be very good. I think there'll be a lot of good work done there from a PR point of view from the club. And then obviously you come back and play Lazio, you play Valencia and, uh, then we're going to get ready then to win the league. So um, I'm color me excited, Cole. Absolutely color me excited. I mean, you have to be at the end of the day. And I mean, when I sit back and I look at it as well, I mean, it's it's a brand thing. You look at Australia last summer, of course, and then you look at the States again after, uh, I think last time what Villa were in the States, of course, when they were in Minnesota. I mean, it's also kind of advantageous as well to play the likes of Newcastle and Brentford as well in within there of course there's three Premier League games in there but just for examples the likes of Valencia it gives you a real variety and it kind of shows that I mean it doesn't feel like too long ago we were playing Walsall and then it would be random insert random non-league team and then third division side from Spain or something like that to ramp up and then head right into a Premier League campaign I think we can all remember those days and I even felt from maybe my standpoint that Villa weren't fully ready, but you have that feeling under Unai Emery with the way Tielemans has come in early. Torres is now confirmed, of course, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but it seems like everything's coming together well, and there's a real sense of organization purpose. And you know what, if, if the Villa brand can uh, gain a few more fans during this tour, then the more, the merrier, the more it can support the club and, uh, yeah, the more success hopefully we have in the long term. But Simon, I'll, I'll come back to you because I want to get your opinion on the entirety of preseason. I mean, looking at the variety of games, of course, we already mentioned your thoughts with Walsall. I mean, it's definitely a good way to prepare the season considering the level of competitors that we are playing post-Walsall. No disrespect to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys sort of touched on that. The three Premier League teams over in America will be just like a good little test. As, as I sort of said earlier, it's, the results aren't really that important to me. To some people, they are. And, and I get why... I, I, I get the arguments around some of the halves. You don't want to go into a season if you've lost every game in pre-season. But for me, it's kind of more about just establishing patterns of play, which 
since Emery's come in, you, you know, we've, we've all seen that, that there's a clear set philosophy there. And I think we were all, I mean, okay, maybe can't speak for everyone. Personally, I, I was shocked at how quickly we had kind of, we seemed to have adapted to his style of play. And I, I just think having like a full pre-season now, like where he can really get them putting the hard yards in, uh, would, would be so beneficial because, of course, obviously, you know, going into the season, fingers crossed we get through this this, this uh, playoff rounds. And then once you get into it, there's not going to be as much time on, on the training fields to, to work on these things. And I know Emery last season said that he actually prefers having, you know, regular games rather than too much time in the training. But I think I mean, you can only really get away with that if you've, if you've had such a clear, strong preseason. So I think for me, it would be, it, it, it's, it's a good standard of teams that we're up against. You know, obviously three Premier League teams, Lazio and Valencia, you know, they're, they're, they're two big names in European football. So to say, it would be really interesting to see how, how the training methods and you know what what what's worked on his training is implemented into those games as your fitness builds up and and going into the new season sort of fully cooked and prepared for it. Which I I think you look back to to you compare back to the last preseason. Obviously, I, I get the whole thing with going to Australia, and I, I think it is important. I think you do need to do you know go to these faraway places to you know, try and increase the brand. That's what the club wants to do. But it just felt like, you know, obviously there was the issue with uh, Michael Beale left and then I think Neil Critchley was it the assistant that we, Gerald got in and, and then he couldn't go out to Australia. So it just, it seemed like last pre-season was just a complete mess to be honest. And, and it showed that we, you know, look at the start we had to last season, we, we were so underprepared and, you just, you, I mean, let's be honest, Unai Emery is, is such an elite level manager coach. You, you just know that. You, you almost, it, it wouldn't surprise me if when he was appointed last November, he was already making notes about what they're going to do on the, the third day of pre-season in the afternoon session. Do you know what I mean? You just, you know, it's going to be so well prepared. And yeah, really, really excited. It, it'll be when do we actually go to America? Because I'd assume in an ideal world, you'd want to try and get a couple more players, you know, the transfer targets that you're after. You, ideally, I think you'd want to try and get them in before going to America. It's not the build on end all, but it, that would be ideal, I think. Yeah, so they, the first game is on the 23rd. So I'd imagine they'd probably fly out around the 20th, if not earlier, I would think. It would be yes. at least give them a couple of days with time changes so that, and PR stuff so that, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's about that's what seven eight days away from now. So I mean, there's you know there, there's obviously still time to to try and get a few things over the line. But you know, even if if it if it ends up that you know one or two players have to fly out to meet the squad there, maybe for the the last two games or the last game, you know that that that's something that I think they'll probably want to try and do but you know look going going into the preseason I think like like you guys have said it's I think it's a good good standard of teams that that we're playing and yeah I think it'll be uh I think it'll be really vital going into the actual full proper season 100% like when I when I think of preseason myself I always 
kind of cautiously remind myself not to read too much into it, especially going into Walsall on the weekend. Um, cause some people will take a misplaced pass and then think that player's crap for eternity because of five seconds of preseason action. So Neil, just to get your thoughts on this, I mean, how, much should we really read into preseason? Is there maybe one kind of stage of it that we should maybe look a little bit more into it, or is it more so just a cohesion and fitness thing? And we should really worry about it when the, uh, the uh, ball kind of gets kicked off in the first Premier League game of the season. Great question, Cole, because uh, if we look at what last season, when we, when we played uh, what's our best last season, if we look at that, we played two different teams. And in the first half, what were those teams, you ask? Let me tell you. Let me enlighten you. Because in the first half, we started with Sinisalo, Ken Kessler Hayden, Carlos Mings, Seb Revan, Finnezaz, uh, Nakamba, Traore, El Ghazi, Bailey, and Archer all started the first half. With the second half showing Sinisalo, Young, Chambers, Feeney, Crescent, uh, O'Reilly, Luis, Sansan, Buendia, Ings, and Watkins. So, what can we, do we expect from, expect from Saturday? Lots of players playing playing um short amount of minutes. Um and I think that's great. I always look the quality of football is gonna be gonna be turgid. It's not gonna be great. You know, it's gonna be their first day out. They're all gonna have the legs hanging off them from probably a heavy few gym sessions over the last few days, um and, and heavy sessions out in the grass. But we're gonna see young players that uh we might get a chance to see for the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, those young players. I'm looking forward to seeing who the the, the Tommy O'Reilly is of the group this season. I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to play in goals when Emmy Martinez isn't playing there because uh, I know while we still have Robin Olsen, I would imagine we will see one of the kids play at some stage, and that's going to give us a good indication as to who will be our third choice goalkeeper, which is what's on everybody's lips at the moment. I know that. Uh, who's going to play? Uh, a period at left back who's going to play a period at right back we've only got one fit left back we've only got one one fit right back um, at, at the moment looking forward to seeing Diego Carlos back out in the field looking forward to seeing Leon Bailey looking for, forward to seeing uh, Yuri Tielemans in, in, in a Villa shirt so there's lots of different subplots and headlines that people will take out of this uh, this game but what we won't take out of this will be whether the football is good or the football is bad because uh, Villa should go out and, and, and they should beat Walsall. Um, or they, it doesn't really even matter whether they do or not. It's all about just seeing these players and uh, seeing what they can do. As I look at uh, as, uh, highlights that, that I'm just looking at here and I just see Josh Feeney sky one over the bar last season that I completely forgot about from six yards. But that's okay because he's going to be an absolute baller in, in years to come. So, um that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I think in, in relation to the question that you asked about, is there certain periods of the preseason that we should look at? I think that the, I think the third, the third game in, in the States will be, um, I think this, uh, we'll see more, something more coherent from, um, as to what, uh, Una Emery wants to do. I think we'll, we'll see that there. And then I think the, the Valencia and Lazio games will be hammer and tongs. Getting ready for the getting ready for the season because we we need to hit the ground running for the for the playoff game, um, which we will have also uh, in that period of time uh, for the Europa Conference League. There's no point qualifying for it if you go in and get knocked out in the in the in the playoff uh, leg. So Unai Emery will be mindful of that as well. So I think game three in the United States is going to be where we try and see things kind of rev up a small bit. And then uh, I, I think we'll begin to see it, it, it steadily progress from there on in uh, for each game that we have. 
Yeah, I agree, Neil. I, I, I think in myself, at least, I, I always kind of felt like heading into the tail end of the U.S. tour is when you really want to start ramping things up. And the thing with that as well, too, I mean, kind of comparing it back to the last season, and somehow I can't believe it was last season with just everything that was going on. It kind of felt like during the Australia tour, for me at least, like things never really got going and then, well, we won every game. It felt like one nil or whatever it was. It was minimal. And then the whole theme of only scoring one goal actually kind of started kind of kicking into the actual Premier League season. So there was something to be read into in terms of goal concerns and things under Steven Gerrard. But of course, this is a new season. So we never have to talk about Steven Gerrard at Villa, hopefully ever again. Um, insert little gif of him doing training in Saudi Arabia here if you'd like or go on the 7500 to hold Twitter account to see that video as well it's just it gives you Tony Adams at Granada vibes that's all I can say so if you want to chuckle or if you want to facepalm or just thank your lucky stars that we have Unai Emery that is the way to do it but let's move away from preseason um right now maybe we'll come back to it at the very end maybe we won't but regardless of that Simon, let's talk about Pod Torres, of course. He just signed this week for a reported £31.5 million, I believe I'm reading correctly, on this screen. Of course, coming from Villarreal, knows everything ever so much about Unai Emery with their time there getting to the Champions League semifinal. And you know what? He's a Champions League caliber center back and he's coming to Villa. So what do you make of the signing in particular? Um, so I'll be totally honest. A few months, you know, a couple of months ago, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really know an awful lot about his name that I'd heard quite a bit. But I, I, I've got to be honest. I don't don't watch much of league of football, so I hadn't really seen an awful lot of him. But obviously, since you know uh, it became apparent that he was going to be joining us, um, you know, I've done, like everyone, sort of done quite a bit of reading up on him and you know, heard. A few different podcasts with different journalists on, and it, 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 you know, on, on paper, it just looks an unbelievable signing, really. I mean, from, from everything you sort of read and hear, when you're talking about an elite level Champions League quality footballer that, that's come to Aston Villa, the age of 26, so he's, you know, coming into his prime years, you know, for the majority of footballers, it's just a, it, it it feels feels like a real sort of statement signing and like a statement of intent. And I, I think, I, I, I think if if it wasn't for the fact that Unai Emery was a manager, I, I don't think that we'd probably be getting him. Um, I, you know, one of the uh, another podcast that I do, uh, one of one of the girls on that is a, is a Spanish girl lives over in Spain, she's a Barcelona fan. And I message her, you know, just asking, you know, is, is this something that we should all be getting excited by? And her reply was, holy shit, that's an absolute bargain price. He's an exceptional talent. Unai loves him, and rightly so. He's fucking brilliant. So, you know, that, that's that's a pretty ringing endorsement if you ever needed one. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's just something that I think, you know, we, we should all be really excited about. And I think the reaction... From sort of f- other fans of other clubs and and sort of journalists online to, to it being officially announced it was very much like Jesus Villa have got themselves a really good player there. Um, it just be I'm I'm fascinated to see 
how it's how the lineup's going to be. So, as you know, as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, we've got four very, very good centre-backs that will all want to be playing. Um, so I'm really, really interested to see sort of how, how it will work in terms of who will play and what positions they'll necessarily play going into it. But as a, as a signing itself, you know, he... He turned down, I think Tottenham. Maybe was it last summer or something when they were in the Champions League. So the, the fact that he's he's come to us, it's 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 not a decision that I think he would have taken lightly. You know, there's, there's been interest from a lot of top clubs from him, and the fact that he's decided to, to come and play for Aston Villa, as I say, I think it's, you know it's because you know Emery's in charge. But the fact he's he's taken that decision to leave Villa, which you just you know, I don't know if you've seen the um the video that was put up on Twitter yesterday of his sort of goodbye message. It was clearly a, a hard decision for him. You know, he's a, he's a local he's a local uh, boy from Villarreal. His boy or club been there since he was six. So the fact that he's decided to come, I I think, yeah, I, I think he's a really big statement. As I said, it's a real statement of intent, and I think it will I think it will really help to attract other players to come to the club as well. Do you know, if you, because I think especially coming from Spain, obviously, Unai Emery is considered over in, in sort of Spanish football up there with the likes of like, what we think of about like Pep and Guardiola, he's considered on, on uh, the Guardiola and Klopp. So he's considered on that sort of elite level. So, the yeah the, and I just think it's, it's something that we should all really, really be excited about and, just be so thankful once again to Unai Emery for coming to take charge of our football club because we've I I think we're I think we're really really building something special here. Hundred percent, and of course, if if you want to go read some articles about Torres, of course, on the seventy five hundred Holt website, go check those out. Um, I know we had one of our new writers uh, put up a piece a couple days ago. Um, I did a little bit of a kind of a Q&A with a Villarreal fan uh, about a week ago that went up, I believe, this morning. So, of course, at any point, you guys can go read it. It gives a really good insight, in my opinion, into what to expect. Interestingly enough, Villarreal fans, for the majority of the ones I have spoken to, they kind of felt like maybe it was not necessarily a step down, but I think they just think so much of Torres that they expected him to move on to a Champions League caliber team and really essentially kind of push on from there but of course Simon you did bring up the Unai Emery link and that's probably the most important thing with this and that's also something that'll let them really kind of kick things off and get things kind of going right away of course you look at most signings that come over from a different league they take some time to embed in and no doubt that he's going to need that but also having a manager that knows him inside and out that he was already close with has that experience with I, I think it's only beneficial and maybe some of that kind of embedding time actually gets minimized in regards to that yes and so obviously the, the pre-existing relationship with Torres and Emery uh, will help with the transition to, to adapt into the Premier League but not only that there's uh, you know the majority of or pretty much all of Emery's coaching staff are all Spanish as well and You've got a contingent of South American players uh, with, you know, Brendan Deere and Martinez, for example, being uh, natural Spanish speakers. So, and sort of sharing a lot of cultural similarities with, with, with the Spanish in South America. So 
all that together, as well as the pre-existing relationship with Emery, should sort of help his adaptation periods go a lot more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think from like like I said before, for me, it, it, it's one thing to come in and really quickly adapt. It's another to come into a different country and kind of do that as well, even if like comparing it to someone moving in within a single country. So it, it, time will tell. And I think we all have to remind ourselves that he will need some time, even though he has that relationship established. Um, or maybe he starts off like Felipe Coutinho did, but then hopefully just continues to get better and better and doesn't get injured. And then we don't know what the hell's going on with them. So hopefully that doesn't happen ever again or in the very near future. Cause if I say ever again, I probably just jinx myself. So I will uh, not mean that and I will retract that statement. But Neil, for you, I mean, you scout every single player in the world on your YouTube channel and your podcast. Uh, every time I, I come onto Twitter, there's a new player I have not even heard of half the time. And you've somehow done a little bit of a scout report on him. So when it comes to Par Torres, and him coming to Villa. I mean, what are your expectations and how do you think he's going to fit in? I, I mean, Simon kind of listed off the, the depth of center backs. And when I think of my time supporting Villa, that's probably the best foursome I've really ever even heard of. How do you think they'll all kind of mesh together? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um... I think it's one of the, the the best way we can think of it is that uh, you know you, you can worry about having four good center halves, but it's a good good worry to have. It's a good problem to have. Um, I, I initially when Paul Torres signed, I initially was on the bandwagon of uh, Una is going to stay with fourth back. Um, and the more I kind of the more I've rattled it around in my brain is uh, the potential is there to move to three at the back if we need to. Um, I've always been a big proponent of. Uh, of the thought process that Unai Emery played the way he did last season because he was utilising what he had at hand. And I very much feel, kind of going back to a previous question that you asked there, I, I very much feel that this off-season we might see some different things from Unai Emery. Um, as and when players come in and based on, on, on the players that we bring into the team, we might see different setups. It's not out of the realms of possibility that three at the back could happen at times this season. Um, it certainly isn't. Uh, but where he fits in, I suppose, within the current team is that he's another ball playing centre half. You know, that's very much what he's, uh, what he's known for. Um, supremely talented, don't get me wrong, or, or anything like that. But we've seen some, some, I think, some criticisms that I think are overly unfair. Um, but worth pointing out as well is that, you know, aerial ability, he hasn't gone, he hasn't, 
made that many um, aerial interventions throughout his time, uh, specifically last season of Villarreal. And he's not one of these players that's going to go through somebody Terry Butcher style, you know, for uh, to try and get the ball and go through the man. So he's not all, he hasn't been overly physical. But I think a lot of, a lot of people have harped on the statistical side from that. Um, but, you know, when you look at his games and you look at how he's played in the Champions League, he's played in the Europa League, or he's played in, 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 the, in La Liga, you don't really notice it. Like, it's not a thing. It's, it's, only, it's one of those things that if someone points out and says, that person's tie is blue, you can see nothing but the fact that that person's tie is blue. You know, it's one of those situations, you know, that if, if somebody tells you this guy is overly, isn't overly aggressive, you'd be looking at areas to find him, to see that he's not overly aggressive. I didn't see it my, on my first first viewing of him. It wasn't something that stood out. The aerial side did because you either go up to win a header or you don't. Now with Aston Villa, where does that fit in? Um, and I think that it's it, 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 it's quite poignant because Ezra Kanzo was never really tasked with going up to win a ball in the air. Tyrone Mings is the dominant aerial force that we have within the team. So by bringing in somebody like Pau Torres who's who could be another outlet to be able to use the ball with his feet, carry it into midfield like Tyrone Mings does, spray those raking balls left and right diagonally and so on. Um, I think that's where his um his his benefits are going to come in in this team, and that's where we're going to see him. Um, you could very easily see Pau Torres uh, not start the se- at, at at the beginning of the season, but work his way into the team throughout the course of the season, or you could see him start against Walsall at the weekend, provided he's got international clearance and never be out of the team for the next five years. So it's a beautiful, beautiful issue to have, I suppose, that, that we're, we've got too many good players back there because we also have another ball-playing centre-half that was brought in specifically for his, his ability to, to um, have a high number of, um, of possessions with the ball, and that's Diego Carlos, somebody I said, I'm looking forward to seeing at the weekend. And, um, you know, we've got Ezra Kanzo, who's been Mr. Dependable, and we've got Tyrone Mings, who has been really reborn under, under Una Emery. So, Pau Torres, for me, he's got a lot, a lot of uh, positives. Um, his, his covering speed is fantastic. Um, he's he's a, a player who likes to get into the right positions. And I think that Unai Emery will probably have some sort of a, um, a plan up his sleeve at some stage during the course of the season. I think to get three defenders and three of those centre-halves in the field, whether it's playing one of them at a left or a right back. But there is a, lo- a big, long story, I think, of Pau Torres uh, at Aston Villa, and I'm delighted that he's here. Absolutely. Like, every single player in the world has some kind of weakness. For me, it's how you insulate them. So whether you put him in a, a combination with Mings, of course, then you have two left-sided or left-footed center backs, and maybe that creates an issue, um, whether it's I, 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 or whatever. Sorry, yeah. sorry I, I just jump in on that there. I don't, I think that's another... Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully okay with getting shot at with regards to this because there is no way of proving it right or wrong. I think the whole right-footed, left-footed centre half thing is, um, I think it's a bit of a misnomer. It's a misnomer based on, on maybe the last twenty years. People didn't really notice it before. It was kind of a given that it would have happened prior to that. But I think you see it an awful lot more by um, two right-footed centre halves. There's never really a conversation conversation of two right-footed centre-halves playing in a partnership together. Oh, exactly. There always seems to be a conversation of two left-footed centre-halves playing. And uh, it's it, it's just, uh, I don't know, is it as big a deal as, as people make it out to be? But it, um, it's certainly, um, you know, it, it can be beneficial in its own right as well because, uh, you, you know, left-footed players um, are 
more like the the obviously a professional player is going to know what foot a, a player kicks with when they're trying to close them down. But um, you know the the brain works in mysterious ways when it, when you're when you're doing things in a split second. So if you're not expecting both centre halves to be uh, to be left footed, if you're working off instinct, then you might go to try and block on the right foot or whatever, and that's what draws freeze as well. So I suppose I just wanted to bring that in there. This I'm not as big a, a, a kind of a, a detractor on the the fact that we may have two similar footed uh, players in our in our, in our uh, as our two centre halves. Um, to me, it doesn't make as much of a difference, but I can completely understand why some people would prefer to have uh, a right and a left footer in there for sure. Oh, absolutely. For me, I don't really think it matters. The way I look at it is they're professional footballers. Um, it's not like they only run with one leg. Um, they have more than yeah, enough nice. ability in either way. And I, I think when yeah. you kind of look at it from that perspective, I mean, you know what? It's if they can, if they have the ability to kick the ball throughout the field with both legs and they're more than able to have that enough composure and kind of control with them to do the job there but kind of even getting on more to that I mean the variety of options it's just really awesome to see and whether whatever that means for the likes of uh, Courtney Haas and Callum Chambers kind of even further going down the depth chart um, is yet to be seen but it's nice to see Villa have real options here whether it's a back two a back three there's real variety and I think it provides a lot of cover even with Konza if he has to go out to play right back for whatever crisis reason or for any other kind of um, issue there's always that option too so there's real tactical flexibility here as well but Neil I'll come right back to you of course because there has been a little bit of uh, transfer news more transfer news I should say with Villa um, today of course Uh, there's been a few different people including Fabrizio Romano who I know you've done a, a podcast with in the past, and that being uh, Musa Diaby, of course, from Bayer Leverkusen. So it looks like we're trying to get the band back together in terms of uh, him and Leon mm-hmm. Bailey. I, I saw a highlights video, and it looks like we're just going to actually run the league and win everything uh, based on that highlights video if these two are together. I'm only saying that, of course, with a, a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek there. But it looks like it's been a, re- a reported 35 million euro plus add-ons bid. I've, I've seen 37 and a half as well, so who knows exactly exact fee apparently Bayer Leverkusen are looking for something closer to 50 we'll have to wait and see how solid this is kind of in the coming days but I know you did a video on him so this is why I wanted to come to you what do you make of him and kind of in regards to Villa and how he would fit in where do you think he kind of slots in in the grander scheme of things um so as a player he has is incredibly consistent um he's an incredibly consistent player and has been since his time at PSG um worked under Unai Emery at PSG as well um as far as I'm aware I'm after saying that now and I'm after doubting myself as to whether that happened but I'm 99.999% sure that he was at PSG when Emery was there um Emery left and then uh he also left uh, PR or that the, the he left PSG as well. Oh, I'm, I have to check it up, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm after saying something that may not be uh, may not be true uh, with regards to Musa Diaby. But I'm going to move on anyway as I look this up um, while I'm talking about it. But he is a, a very rounded player, as I say. Um, twenty, twenty two, twenty three years of age. 
Um, you know, what what you get from him is consistent performance. You know, he's had some some really good seasons. La- not last season, the season before, I think he scored 14 goals. Um, he's had a really consistent season this year. He's he's in the French squad. Didier Deschamps thinks the world of him. It's it, literally he's been quoted as saying uh, saying that he's one of the luckiest managers in the world because uh, he has the likes of uh, Moussa Diaby there. This um, he, and he can't find a spot for him in the team because the team is so good. Um, now whether that's a reflection on the fact that um, Didier Deschamps should have won uh, the World Cup uh, only for Emmy Martin as a save um, in 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 the in an extra time. I don't know what that is, whether that's the case or not. But um, you know, if when you, when you look at him, he's he's your your archetypical um, uh, wide midfield or winger, should I say, kind of attacking midfielder, plays all the way across that midfield that 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 midfield's um. A kind of attacking with midfield positions, right, left, or, and that central ten role, um, full of running, full of, uh, full of, uh, of trickery. Um, a lot of people are saying, is he going to be another Leon Bailey? Um, like, like, uh, I can understand why people say that because they're both coming from Bayer Leverkusen. They're both fast players, um, but it's a very lazy link to make. Two of them are similar players. Uh, they're, they're not uh, similar players. Um, Diaby is a much more um, accomplished player uh, in 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 how rounded he's made his game. Should I say? No, look, you're not going to get the defensive work out of him. He is an attacking player. Don't get me wrong here. When I talk about rounded, I mean rounded from an attacking point of view. Um, you know, he's he he's he's a very very good dribbler of the ball. As I said, he's a very good shooter of the ball. You know, he scored quite a lot of goals. Uh, had quite a lot of assists. Um, from memory, I I think he has seventy five goals or assists in his career so far, and that's from one hundred and twenty two starts. Um, I think uh, so far within his career, so he's got a really good conversion rate when you're looking at goal creating actions in comparison to Leon Bailey when he joined uh, when he joined Aston Villa. So for me, I think Diaby is uh, is is a really exciting prospect. I think he's really exciting. He's been he's been um, wanted by quite a lot of clubs within Europe, and and I know whenever that phrase comes up, everybody asks the question, "Well, why didn't they sign him?" So uh, I don't know, but all I know is that I'm I, that I would be excited if Aston Villa signed him. Newcastle have tried to sign him the last two transfer windows. It didn't come off, and uh, Aston Villa now may, may be in a position to come in and jump the queue, sign Moussa Diaby, have an opportunity cost on that, and then uh, get him over here to Birmingham and then see the type of player that we have. But I think he's very well suited to to the Premier League. Um, I think he brings very much needed pace, but also good control to the team as well when he attacks. Um, I don't see him as a replacement for Leon Bailey. I see him as an addition to Leon Bailey. And, and I'm not fully convinced that we do sell Leon Bailey this summer because I think that the squad needs to grow from the point of view of attacking uh, attacking options that we have. And um, and and as we know, Unai Emery has been looking at wingers like Nico Williams. He's 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 a far more accomplished player than Nico Williams um, so far in, in Williams' career, and that's not denigrating him at all. Um, the only player that we've been linked with so far, I think that is maybe, um, from an output point of view, is maybe a step ahead of him would be, would be Mohamed Kudus. Um, but when you look at Moussa Diaby, he's a really exciting player. And um, if he's able to... To, to to grab that form that he has for Leverkusen and that form that has been so, so, so consistent since his move to the Bundesliga. And if he joins Aston Villa, Aston Villa will have a very good player on their hands. I'm certain of it. 
Well, just from you giving me all that information, Neil, I, I, I say we splash the cash and just go for it. But in all, in all seriousness, <laughs> like I, I don't think this is a replacement for your Leon Bailey as well. I think, like you said, and I do agree, we do have to add to the squad. We need squad numbers and we need quality squad numbers. And I, I don't know. I feel like having the potential to go deep in a European competition might actually suit Leon Bailey um, in certain kind of, uh, standards of these games as well not to say that he's not Premier League standard but of course playing in Europe is a little bit different he has experience across that as well playing in the Bundesliga already so depending who we draw and things like that I think he could be a really good fit and of course these two have had a partnership in the past so there's that to consider too and yes maybe it produces magic and and that season that they played together they did produce that was Leon Bailey's best season as a professional footballer um so far just going back on the Unai Emery link as well. Yes, he did play at Paris Saint-Germain. Unai Emery elevated him into the senior squad from Paris Saint-Germain. B didn't give him his uh, his, his league debut. I think that came under uh, came came the year afterwards. But I was right on the Unai Emery has managed him or has seen him in action before. Uh, uh, piece of, uh, piece of information that I shared there as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm glad I checked it now. Don't worry, Neil. I believed you regardless of that. Your, your, your fact-checking as, is as fine as it gets. But, Simon, you've been sitting there all quiet and looking like you want to have your say on something. So l- let's discuss Brennan Johnson here for a moment. Of course, he's been linked, the 22-year-old Welsh international from Forest. Of course, they have some uh, financial fair play issues that they might have to deal with after signing about uh, 80 players last season. So it does make sense. Um, I've seen... Potential links of forty million. I've seen it a little bit lower. I've seen it a little bit higher. I mean, what do you make of him potentially coming in? Him as a player, if you've really seen much of him, uh, I'll, I'll let you take it away here and just run crazy with it. So go ahead. Um. Yes. I. I. I quite like him. Um. I think. I think him. Both him and Morgan Gibbs White were probably the two main reasons that Forrest stayed up last season. Um, he's, I, I think, 40 million is maybe, you could argue, a, a bit overpriced, but you've got to remember the, I was going to say the English tax levy is Welsh, of course, but you do have that sort of British tax that, that is attached to, to players and he's still quite young as well. So he he's someone that, you know, I mean, with any sign that we make, if Unai Emery wants him, then I'm 100% behind that, that he's, he's the right person to come in. But no, he's someone that when, um, when it was, I think, a few weeks ago when it was sort of first mooted uh, on Twitter as sort of like a, a rumour that we'd be interested in him, there, there were some people sort of instantly turned their nose up at him saying, oh, you know, we need to be getting better players than that. But, He's. I think he's a really good player. I think he's got a lot about him. He, he's. He's kind of. He's. He's that player as well that we, we've been talking about. That you know, we we want. We're looking for a winger and also like a sort of winger forward hybrid player, and and that's what he is really. You, you can he, you can put him through the middle, but he's he's very effective from that sort of wide right position as well. Um, so. Yeah, that, that that's a signing that you maybe you like to try, maybe knock the price down a little bit. But I, you know, at the end of the day, we've we've got money to spend. If you, if we need to pay slightly over the odds, and 
and then we see the potential for him to 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 improve even further. Because you know he's only had one season in the Premier League. In let's be honest, a pretty poor football team, and and he did he did pretty well though I think. So you can even imagine he's playing with better players in a team that's going to have more of the ball and going to create more chances. Yeah, I, I think he he could be a really good signing, and uh, I think I I agree. Uh, with, with what Neil was saying in, in terms of Leon Bailey, that I, I don't see us selling him so and I don't even if if we were to sign uh, DRB and Johnson, I still don't think that that would be nec- that that would necessarily guarantee that. I mean, Bailey's moving on. I, I think I think it will mean Traore is going to be moved on because I don't think there's room for that many in there. But yeah, I, I, I think if Johnson comes, if if that if there's um, Truth to that, which it does seem like that there is something there from, from you know, what uh, John Persons or a few others have tweeted out that there is seem to be uh, that we are keen on him, and, and by all accounts, he's quite keen on the move to Villa as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's potentially another really exciting player, and this just because he he may not have scored a, a shit ton of goals for Forest last season. It's, you've got to you've got to look at the context of. The team that he was playing in and and the performances he was he put in for the like limited time that he actually had the ball in attacking positions. If, if you get what I'm saying, you know, he's, he, if you're playing in a struggling team, it is difficult to shine. And I think he shines as as bright as you could possibly expect him to have, to have done in that team. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's one to, to to be pretty excited about actually because he's he's only 22. You know, there's not so much improving. You, you look at the improvements that Ollie Watkins made in such a short space of time under Emery. You know, just just imagine what what he can do with other people as well. So yeah, that that's one that I'd be well on board with. Yeah, I, I think the thing I like about it most, and any really signing we're making, these are clearly approved by Unai Emery, so he knows how they're going to fit in. Um, it's no longer. For the most part, you would assume no longer just buying talent and hoping, you know what, they'll be sold on for an extremely crazy value. And of course, that's part of the game as well. That will have to happen within Villa's development because you do need to bring money into it is important. But no, I think people, a lot of people, I think, in my opinion, look at the fee and then just automatically think, well, it's not worth it. But I mean, look at how everything's going right now. You can't really base it on anything. Yeah, and and just just on that, as just as I mentioned, Ollie Watkins, there, you know, I think we 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 spent thirty three million pounds on him, and, and people looked at that at the time and thought, well, that's that's a lot, and you know, that's that's turned out all right, hasn't it? So, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, maybe I, I think it was just the initial forty million and thought, oh god, that that is quite a bit, but you look at what transfer fees are nowadays, maybe it's not so crazy. I I don't know. Well, absolutely. And I think the thing I look at too, and I mean, people can prove me wrong, but once I see Pau Torres play defense splitting through ball to Ollie Watkins and he scores, I mean, that the, the price tag goes out the window and it no longer matters. But Neil, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Maybe it's not that much of a curveball, actually, um, as I just watched my dog take my sock out of my laundry bin. So I'll be chasing him in just a moment, but I'll pass it over to you in the meantime. I do subscribe to your podcast, so I, I do support you. I do want to put that out there as proof. So I just saw this pop up literally as Simon was talking as a notification. 
tell me about, I'm going to pronounce this, of course, it's a AC Milan winger for Charles de Ketelier. <laughs> I I I yeah I got a I got a Dutch a Dutch person on work today to pronounce it. Do you think I can remember how they pronounce it? But I think it's the Catalan. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure how to pronounce it myself. But yes, Charles Char- CDK, which we would call him. Um, because oh, we had a Stevie G, did. so you know, might as well have a Stevie K. <laughs> no, C C D K. So we just go with the initials on it. That's what we're going to call. Oh, it. I thought you said Stevie so K. That's uh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's what we what, what we go with. Yeah, look, it was a spurious thing this morning. When I say spurious, it was actually from a pretty reliable outlet. It was from Gazetta in in in, in uh, Italy, but he was linked with with Aston Villa, and it seems the Villa bid I think was twenty five million. Um, uh, my my big, my, I suppose the big the big piece that I, I I have on him or the big thought process I have on him is if we were signing this guy ten months ago, every Villa fan. All your all football fans in Europe would have been like this. Would have knocked their socks off. They would have gone, would have gone wow. Villa are signing one of the most highly sought after, highly talented Belgian young footballers who's just coming off a season scoring fourteen goals and six assists after playing in the Champions League as a twenty-year-old attacking midfielder slash striker slash winger, wherever you want him to play in that in, in that kind of area. A lot of people would be talking about this and going wow, what a fantastic signing. Um, he signed for AC Milan. And Milan didn't really have a spot for him. They they found it difficult to get going last season and parts of the season. They still finished fourth, but they were coming off a season where they won the league and they bought him for 30 million. And uh, not every young player that makes that big first move in their career uh, nails it. They don't nail it. They don't get that move to to that club correct or their first season isn't isn't that 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 blowout season that they that they would have had from the the league that they were coming from? And point in case with that is is Kevin De Bruyne, and not just picking him up because he's uh, he's Belgian as well, just like uh, Charles de Catalera is. Um, but uh, Kevin De Bruyne moved to Chelsea for big money, played two games, had one assist, and was shipped off to move Werder Bremen to to Chelsea. He was shipped off to Wolfsburg, um, rebuilt his career, and came back. And Destroyed the Premier League as one of probably the best midfielders the Premier League has ever seen. So, not saying that, that this guy could be like him, but uh, a lot has been made, I think, in the link this, this, that today that oh, I had a crap season at AC Milan, not going to work it for Villa. And I don't know whether he can step up to the Premier League or whether the league is better suited to him or, or whether Villa have his position for him. But he's a player of great repute. He's, he is like he was up there with one of Europe's golden boys. And probably uh, 10 months, 12 months ago, he was Belgian, Belgium's. Um, you know, best hidden talent, and, and I suppose Lewis Appenda, who's just signed for uh, Leipzig, would would have an argument in in that in that say right now. But um, he's just been a guy who's had twelve months uh, as a twenty one year old, twenty two, twenty one, twenty two year old. It didn't quite go his way, but there's an argument to be made that going to Italy could be the making of of him as well, because since he's gone to Italy, and you look at his statistics, and even when you watch uh, for for context. I watch a lot of football, and for context, I've always followed AC Milan. I was a bandwagoner. I did jump on them when they were the great AC Milan team. But Maldini, Baresi, Costacorta, uh, Van Basten was there, Ruud Hullet. Uh, in, like I was in like six or seven. When I got into football, I got into football hard at seven years of age. And um, I've always kind of had a soft spot for AC Milan uh, since. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a difficult... It's, it's a difficult... Um, 
it was a difficult move for him. They didn't have a spot for him, as I say. And there was parts of last season where uh, they they couldn't buy a win. You know, they ended up finishing fourth in the league and, and they had some Champions League games as well. But um, he's a player, as, as, as I say, that um, has his whole life ahead of him with regards to football. God, you know, there was a lot of question marks about this guy, but he has obvious talent. Um, and uh, and he does show it. And I would implore anybody to go back and watch some, well, even watch YouTube YouTube highlights. Like there's a lot made of like a snobbish take on. Oh, you, what did you do? Watch some YouTube highlights highlights of a player. Well, yeah, if he's an attacking player, do watch YouTube highlights highlights because you're going to see him score goals, and you're going to you're going to see him repeat things. So you're going to see players repeat things that they do on the field. So yeah, you should definitely watch it, or you should go in, you, or, or you could alternatively go in and spend seven hundred quid on a Y Scout subscription for the season as well which I, I have a Y Scout, a Scout subscription and I watched a lot of stuff there as well on him but uh, you know go and look look him up for yourselves is what I would say to everybody and look and see what he does and, and, and how he performs and what he what he's able to replicate you know that's what I do when I'm looking at players as well and, and, and this guy has it so I would say go back and watch some of these games that he played for, for Club Rugge and um, specifically some of the games that he played for Belgium as well um, I would urge you to go watch a goal he scored against Italy. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up there. We've definitely been going for more than long enough. So big thank you to Neil, of course, for joining us first and foremost. So Neil, if anyone wants to go out there and find you, if they haven't already, which I'd be shocked if they haven't, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. at for If anyone still uses Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at For the Love of Paul McGrath. Oh, no, it's not. It's at Love McGrath Pod. But I'm the only podcast called For the Love of Paul McGrath that I know of. So if you search for that, you'll find us. And likewise, do an awful lot of our stuff on YouTube. If that's your thing, you'll find us um, For the Love of Paul McGrath on YouTube as well. And we do also put all our podcasts up on audio. If you're somebody who likes to run and listen to Rage podcasts on Aston Villa at times, um, we'll get you pumped up for that run too. Uh, you can find us in any of the podcast providers there, For the Love of Paul McGrath. Brilliant. And of course, you can find Simon on Twitter at Regan, like Neil said, if anyone still uses it or if you use threads. I don't know if he has a thread. I haven't made the dip yet, but regardless of that, I'll... We, can, we can't get it. In, we can't get it here in Ireland. It's, Seriously. It's not available in the Yeah, not available Oh, you know, let's not get political. We'll move on for that. I was just about to say something that would probably put me under. But regardless of that, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. This really is the most butchered outro I've probably ever done. But, anyways, of course, tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. You can go to the website www.7500toholt.com. And yeah, we'll leave it at that. We should be back hopefully in the next week or so. Um, but if not, of course, keep tabs on the website. There are articles now going up at least a few a week. Um, of course, myself and of course, our very own Tom Nightingale are running that head on now. So we do have more content coming out, new writers. And of course, I should have said this at the start, but if you are interested in joining the team writing for the website, uh, do of course tweet us, DM us, get involved, um, reach out to me personally or Tom and uh, we'll have a chat. But anyways, we'll leave things there and don't forget up the villa. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.